<laughs> Daryl. What a hilarious joke that you just told. <laughs> I've been saving that one for you all week, Nick, oh and I'm glad you enjoyed God. it. It has to be one of the best, most hilarious jokes I've ever, ever heard. Wow. If only our listeners could have heard that. <laughs> um, well, they never will. But this is No One Likes the Tuna Podcast, the world's premier dedicated Fast and Furious podcast. My name is Nick Nocera. And I'm Daryl Wong. Daryl, every week we watch a Fast and Furious movie and talk about it for about half an hour? Mm-hmm. Uh, this week we watched Fast Ampersand Furious, a good movie. But I'm not even sure we're going to get to talk about it. There's a lot happening in the fast world right now. I feel like we got to touch on. All right. Agree? Feel, Are you up on me. any of the news today? I am not up on the news today. Um, I have not consumed any fast news since um, our emergency meeting last week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, reports are in today. On the wire today. <laughs> fast X may have locked in a new director. Oh, my goodness. It's somebody we know. Okay. It's somebody we've talked about uh-huh. on this podcast. Reports are the director, the new director of Fast X is going to be Louis Leterrier of oh. Transporter Fame. Oh, no. I know, dude. Oh, my ah. goodness. Ah. The, le- the level of foresight here is unmatched. Uh, like, <laughs> ridiculous. Ridiculous. Wow. Yep. Wow. That's a live reaction from Daryl over there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what I guess better. I mean, better choice than, um, what was it? David Leitch? Yeah, I agree. I think that's ultimately going to be a better move for the movie and the franchise. Yeah. I will say, like, mm, I've never... <sighs> Leterrier has made <laughs> very few things I think I'd like. Uh-huh. If, if you want to hear our thoughts on the Transporter series, you should go over to our Patreon and throw us a buck and like listen to those episodes. Um, I'm not a fan, <laughs> I would say, of Louis Leterrier's filmography. Uh-huh. Is yeah. this one of those things where they're, all right, like, hey, we're going to give you the opportunity. You, We know this is a stretch goal, <laughs> stretch project for you. Yeah. Right? Because, yeah. I mean, since The Transporter, I don't remember if we talked about it before, but, like, has Leterrier produced a... um. Or directed a movie of this magnitude? Well, kind of. So after mm-hmm. Transporter 2, he did The Incredible Hulk, which was the Edward Norton mm. starring. It was like before the sort of big Marvel put together, but it was, uh-huh. you know, the standalone Ed Norton, Liv Tyler, Incredible Hulk movie. Mm, mm. Not amazing. Clash of the Titans, a big Hollywood blockbuster that made some money with Sam mm-hmm. Worthington in it. Uh, now You See Me, which is a movie. 
I'll say. <laughs> yeah, okay. A little bit. Kind of like. I like that movie. Kind of a good I like movie. movie. I like that movie. <laughs> kind of a good movie. Okay, okay. Some Jesse Eisenberg. Mm-hmm. Jesse Eisenberg, mm. Mark Ruffalo, uh, Ilsa Fisher. We all mm. remember Ilsa Fisher. Uh, I think she gets replaced in the second one with Lizzie Kaplan. I can't mm-hmm. remember, though. I'm pretty sure that happens. Anyway, so Brothers Grimsby, which is not a movie I've ever seen. It's a Baron Cohen, sort of one of those Baron Cohen movies that's not Borat, mm-hmm. you know? Mm, okay. Um, I don't think it's from sort of the Ali G show. It's not like a break-off, like Bruno had things on the Ali G show and... Mm-hmm. There was an allergy movie at one point. But I think it was like a Baron Cohen original, basically. Okay. Okay. Never seen it. Um, kind of a bomb, I think. And then he did some work for Netflix. He did the Dark Crystal series, which is not something I've seen. Mm-hmm. And um, more recently, a series called Lupin. L-U-P-I-N. Oh, I watched I think Good, I watched all of kind that. Kind of really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Okay. With Omar Sy in it. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got uh, some ups and downs. I would say okay. more downs in my book than ups <laughs> for Leterrier. Uh-huh. But, like, like we talked about on the emergency app, the work is, like, the prep is done, right? Yeah. Like, they're not hiring Leterrier to come in and start like reimagining all these set pieces, mm-hmm. right? Like sets are being built, VFX is being delivered, being developed. You know, like shooting has started. Mm-hmm. The script is locked, or in some way, you know, in some shape or form. Like things are happening. Mm-hmm. I, I think they need. I think probably like Statham was like, "Oh, you should do the Louis." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, um yeah yeah i mean you had me at now you see me i think mm-hmm. i've converted from a definitely not sold to a sold yeah. because you know i mean our most recent interaction was via the transporter too but i like a lot of those movies that are in that uh in that catalog there so <laughs> <laughs> can you That's can i f- ask you is is yeah. now you see me one in your top ten of the decade, it's not. <laughs> no? It's not. It's not. But if you ask me, if you ask me if I like that movie, I definitely did. Yeah. The answers are <laughs> resounding, and from me too. And you know, like I've been accused of being a little bit of a snob before. Uh-huh. I try really hard not to be. Yeah. But like that that movie's good. <laughs> it's just straight up on its face, like totally enjoyable cinema. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm pro. I'm pro. Now you see me. Like, let's bring a little. Now you see me flavor into this. If Jesse Eisenberg showed up, <laughs> in yep. Fast X, I'd be Ugh. for that. I think. You know. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, as like I, Jesse Eisenberg, it would be good if Jesse Eisenberg showed up as like a super, as like an Elon type character. Oh, I see. I see. You know, as like a super. Like tech billionaire, mm-hmm. almost like a. Um, what are we thinking? Is he more on the cipher side of things, or mm. 
that other bad guy. Yeah, what's his name in nine? Yeah, I don't remember. They sort of tried to do that in nine, but they they sort of fucked it up. Mm-hmm. Would have been better if that character in nine was Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, right. More more sinister. <laughs> yeah, more was sinister was needed. Yeah. Got a little Lex Luthery type thing going on. Mm-hmm. There, you know? mm-hmm. Eisenberg is an actor I enjoy every time he's on the screen. I don't know why. <laughs> the yeah. the other way to take it is instead of being a um, yeah like an evil mastermind, he could instead go the route of like a like a Jesse type character. A oh yeah, like grungy yeah. right ADHD um, car guru. Yep. I could yeah. definitely, I could, de- like, he, they gotta go, to, there's just this one car thing they just can't figure out. I gotta go to the master mechanic, Jesse Eisenberg, to get it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that a lot. All right. So there is this one other thing going on today. Uh-huh. I mean, Louis Leterrier, we'll see. It's on Variety if you want to go read it. There's not much other information other than he beat out numerous candidates for the job, per sources, mm-hmm. we don't know who, was Universal's picture's first choice, which, like, mm. was he? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> uh-huh. If I had hired him, I would be saying he was my first choice. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, right. You know. Um, so, and then just goes on to sort of detail kind of his work. It also said, and we had took a guess on our emergency episode of like how much this was costing per day. Mm-hmm. I guessed about 500,000 reports saying between 600 and a million Ooh. <laughs> per day. Ooh. Burning. You know what I mean? Like that's a spend baby. <laughs> that's a real, that's more than a stinger. Okay. That's. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, it sucks. I, you know, I feel bad. I think Louis, I, if I was Louis Leterrier, I'd say yes, definitely. Oh, yeah. You know? A chance to get out of the streaming doldrums a little bit and back into, like, big, bu- big budget Hollywood filmmaking. Mm-hmm. A plus. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You also, like, if the movie sucks, like, okay. Not your like, fault. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> not, not my fucking fault. See you later. Well, good. Yeah. It was already, yeah, it was already screwed before I got here. Okay? I'm just trying to deliver the package. Exactly. It's like almost a guaranteed moneymaker, mm-hmm. right? Too. It's like a huge built-in fan base franchise. So I just think it's a no-brainer for Louis. Um Yeah, but uh but I don't know. It's a weird in my mind a little bit of a weird hire, but you know, we'll see. There is this other thing going on which nobody else seems to have confirmed. Mm-hmm. Which is there is an article in the Post today, the New York Post. Oh. One of the great newspapers of our time. <laughs> one of my mm. absolutely most favorite newspapers in the entire world. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I actually... There's there's almost nothing I like more than like going to the park on Sunday morning at like 10.30. Like getting a bagel... And a coffee and a post and going to the park and reading the post. I really, I really love it. Um, mm-hmm. But there is an article in the post about Justin Lin uh, and him leaving because of Vin Diesel's behavior. Ooh. 
That was my hypothesis. Yeah, I think that was uh, our hypothesis also. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not the Post. It's the New York Daily News. The mm-hmm. other New York Daily. That's my bad. Not as mm-hmm. good. That's okay. Uh, there's a Richard Johnson article, you know, gossip article about difficult Vin Diesel is the reason for Justin Lin quit Fast 10. Um, Lin, who abruptly quit last week without replacement, and then it goes on to say, like, basically he was showing up to set late, he didn't have his lines, you know, it just wasn't, uh, he was being unprofessional, and I think maybe Lin had had enough. Now, this article does not seem to be corroborated anywhere else that I can Mm -hmm. find. It's Mm -hmm. just a little snippet in the, in the daily news. Wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. You? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, we've got a prior situation with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. Which alludes to some yeah. on-site. And, like, uh, I don't want The Rock to be on the right side of history in this. <laughs> You know what I mean? But it it seems like maybe he might be. Yeah. Right? I mean, we, yeah, we often chalk it up to um, artistic passion, which yeah. really consumes Vin and, um, you know, sets the tone of the uh, production. Right. But. Right. And you got it. But, like, the thing is to quit Fast 10. You gotta not want to be there. <laughs> you, know you know what I'm saying? Like, especially if you're Lynn, who obviously is in demand for mm-hmm. this for this one specific thing. Mm-hmm. It's like people recognize his ability to make these movies and like respond to that, and generally have good feelings about four, five, six. And even Tokyo Drift and Nine for sure too. Nine got generally positive reviews as far mm-hmm. as I like, you know, remember. So I'm thinking Lynn was making somewhere in the tune of like fifteen million dollars. Yeah. And he yeah, so far he's not um shown a side where he wants the drama for any reason, right? The easiest right. thing to do would be to finish the project, be yeah. done, collect that big fat paycheck but in terms of the trade-off between uh continuing to do the thing and uh having a taste of that sweet sweet freedom Mm. he was like i would rather not make 15 million (laughs) dollars than be around you for one more day And you can imagine the internal monologue, you know, the night before, the day of uh, making that official. Yeah. And just like, am I crazy? It's like, am I crazy here? It's like, it's, it's, everybody else is on this production. I feel like, like, I'm not the only one who thinks this is going on. Yeah. I don't know. I would love, I just hope, I pray to God, more bullshit leaks out. Uh-huh. About this, like I, I just like I like I want everybody on the production to take a side. Mm-hmm. I want Tyrese to be like, no, my man Vin is a pro. <laughs> like, shows up every day, ready to work. I want Michelle to like, you know, 
character characteristically like sort of waffle in between and be like well you know i just try to do my best and uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i just want everybody you know i want the rock to weigh in and be like i'm not surprised motherfucker mm-hmm. <laughs> you know tremana tequila yeah <laughs> tremana tequila exactly that's exactly 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 right so this uh, seems to fall. This seems yeah. to fall in the category of no public. No publicity is bad publicity, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever juice can leak off of this, I think, is only going to increase the response to the movie. Oh, this is it's box office gold, right? You know what I mean? There's like, like, there's nothing. Yeah. Like this is all, is, yeah. It doesn't matter what side you no. land on. Like you're in it, all right. No. You're down. We're you're down. down to roll. Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready to see this movie. <laughs> you know, uh, I wish this was happening a little closer to the you know release. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, okay. So the last thing is, it's like the quote from a producer who is not involved in. The film, but uh, I guess has a, is a source of this uh, Daily News article. It says, Diesel shows up late to the set. He doesn't know his lines, and he shows up out of shape. <laughs> Which, to me, are like two... The lateness is a thing. Uh-huh. Whatever. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's not a whatever thing. Like, I don't take it lightly. But, um... Actually, yeah, I was going to say it's like not as big a deal. I think all three of them are like the three cardinal sins of being a movie star. It's mm-hmm. like it's like show up on time, know your lines and be in shape. Like those are the three <laughs> things you have to do. You don't have to actually like act very well or like, you know, like do a character or, or like be in a certain headspace or yeah. honestly like be that great a guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you have to show up on time, know your lines and be in shape. Mm-hmm. And if Vin is like, <laughs> often, he's like often. three strikes on that, man. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. So that actually goes into the, a couple of the things that I wanted to talk about this week. Oh, please. Oh my God. So I'll skip to the bottom here. So yeah. I think, you know, Vin Dominic Toretto is an anti-hero. And I think mm. throughout the course of the series, He's tried to shift into, like, full hero status, but that's not him, okay? And that's not the character. Like, you want that extra... You want, mm. Yeah, you want him to embody these non-conventional uh, heroic characteristics, and that's what mm-hmm. makes Dom Toretto a unique character. Right. So I'd like to see, you know, a departure from the god and, like, the godfather-y... Um, yeah. ...character... And, you know, like, self-sacrifice is, like, a really big component of the of the modern Dominic Toretto character. But, you know, they try at least a little bit to ground him, right? They've got the whole streets, streets thing, street fighting from the streets, but it's weak. And I think he should really step into some of these other characteristics. I think nonviolence is one of them, right? Yep. We, there's a lot of destruction in these movies. Yep. It'd, be, it'd be interesting to see Dom move toward a, uh, let's not kill anybody. Let's not blow anything up. Let's see sort of how that changes um, our interactions with the with the enemy. I, I would think, love that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I would love him to be a little more like pacifist. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, if that's what you're saying. Like a little, like at least caring about like, oh, that's somebody, like that's somebody's like retail store. I can't, yeah. I don't want to like smash into that. <laughs> and they're and they're putting him along that path, right? He's living remotely on this farm. He's trying to isolate himself. He well, he knows he's a business. tornado of destruction. <laughs> Exactly. And that, like, when he steps out into the world, like, just, like, cacophony and chaos ensue. Uh-huh. So, his solution to this, he just, like, withdraws from the world. That's his solution, is he withdraws from the world to, to try mm-hmm. to stop himself from causing chaos. I mean, yeah. it works uh, to a certain point. We see it as, like, noble, but it's kind of just fucked up mm-hmm. in a way, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I, there's a little bit of a lack of accountability, but... Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would love him to, like, move on to a second career. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Dom. I mean, not Vin. Dom. Uh-huh, Dom. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I don't know, maybe, what if he, like, wrote children's books? Yeah. A little uh, refresher, a little bit of reinvention. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, yeah, this movie (laughs) four specifically, Mm -hmm. like, I I don't know. I didn't think about that that much. (laughs) I thought more about like, um, you know, it's nice to see the franchise on a precipice Mm -hmm. towards like greatness. It's like, I, I do feel like there's a, there's this Franchise could have gone in two different directions. Like, this movie is not so outlandish that they couldn't have sort of reeled it back towards, like, a gritty, realistic, sort of bloody, pulpy, you know. It's like, this movie's gone one direction, and the Batmans have gone in a different direction. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's just sort of what <laughs> what's happened. Yeah. Right? Um, and I'm glad it's gone the way it has. I'm glad it's, like, edged towards its silly you know, inner child sort of like fun smash blow up car chase kind of stuff. But there is a thing where it's like you have to top yourself over and over and over and over again with that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And what that results in is like the beast in F9, like that giant sort of like turd looking, (laughs) you know, caravan truck. That's just like, I see how you're trying to top yourself with this, but it actually sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you could do something more fun that would be great, you know? Right. Um, where they feel this pressure to just go big, 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 big. And, like, I don't need that all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to be big, big, big. I like this movie. I think Amber Sand is one of the strongest movies of <laughs> the of the series, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's... For a lot of reasons, but, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so turn up the pacifism. I think you could even turn up the turn up the sloth, all right? So oh, yeah. If Vin is He's not already up, doing it. Exactly. Right? Like, <laughs> Vin, exactly. I mean, not down. He's turning up the yeah. sloth it's from all reports. 
He's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not He's not doing it. He's taking it easy. <laughs> He's taking it easy. Roll that into the character, okay? Because 100%. We don't need Dominic Toretto to be a buff dude. We don't need him necessarily to fight. Like, get fat, whole bro. <laughs> get, get fat, bro. Like, avoid, avoid doing stuff. Like, that would be kind of funny. Because yeah. at the end of the day, right, the, the Dominic Toretto mantra is not around actually going fast. It's all about, like, how you drive is who you are, all right? And you don't have to be, like, a sculpted uh, muscle man in order to do that. No. Because your driving is everything. And the way you perform in the car Absolutely. tells everybody around you who you are, what you're about. And I'm not going to lie, like, that's actually one of the ultimate truths of this franchise. It's like, how you drive in real life is who you are. Okay? Right. <laughs> because. Right. It's yeah. both a reflection and manifestation of you. Right? Mm-hmm. Is how you how you drive. So it's both like informs your character and is informed by your character. Right. So um, I would love it if he like got kind of fat, you know, did (laughs) throughout all of Fast 10 and 11 avoided doing any driving or like (laughs) running around or like anything like that. And then finally at the climax has to like creak up off his bones. It's like, I guess I'm getting in the car, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Like yeah. that's yeah. That's what Fast X is going to be about is when Dom can't drive. Okay, he's been driving his way through and about all of these other situations, and now what happens when you can't? All right. Yeah. What happens when you can't drive? What's the struggle there? Um. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I mean. Ready for Fast 10 to come out. I hope they don't push it. We've had too much pushing around of this shit. Yeah. I think they're hiring Louis Leterrier because he, like, works to a schedule and makes it happen and understands how to... Like, those transporter movies were made. I mean, three is probably more expensive, but, like, those transporter movies were made for zero money. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. they did them in, like, five days. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. we're just like, yeah, great. Okay, looks good. Go. Mm -hmm. You know? I'm sure they're hiring him to just like get in there, make his days, and like let's keep to the schedule as much as possible. Right. So, yeah, man, I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else for Ampersand that you want to talk about? Mm. The only thing, the only other thing I had on here is kind of bringing it back to my um, active jury duty service. This whole idea of like mm-hmm. when I see those lights. I'm not stopping. Okay. And <laughs> okay. there's a, na- I mean, it makes sense. There's a natural instinct to avoid capture. Okay. Sure. And you as a, and reject you know, authority and reject. I mean, if you, I'm thinking like, you know, in nature of animals and stuff, natural instinct, you don't want to be captured. doesn't mm-hmm. matter who's chasing mm-hmm. you. You want to get gone. Yeah. Okay. And when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to real life or movie life, it's all about um, sort of like assessing the trade-off again, right? Can you get away? What happens if you don't? Yeah. And then, you know, and then there's the morality piece of it, which is really the difference between what happens in Hollywood and what happens in real life is that. Mm, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, in this movie, right, we're led to believe, you know, Tommy Toretto runs because 
he has the moral high ground. What he's, yeah, the crimes that he's being accused Can of. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So you're still in active jury duty, right? Yes. Is this, is the jury experience making you feel more like, like, which way is it going? Are you sitting there being like, oh man, if the cops ever come after me, I'm gone. Like, <laughs> like is he, are you going through this experience, sort of taking the wrong lessons for it and being like, Nah, I'm getting out of there. Like, I don't, I don't have anything to do with this bullshit. Like, I'm, I'll die before I end up in a courtroom like this. That's, that's almost exactly where I was heading. Okay, but I will preface that by saying, like, obviously, don't put yourself in a situation where the cops are coming after you. All right? For sure. Right? For that's sure. The, if your yeah, that's, friend wants to hold up a bodega, get out of there and, like, call the cops on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just don't be in the room. Yeah. It's way too easy to be, yeah, implicated as an accomplice to totally. a small-time robbery. And you'll do real time. You're going to be a felon. So, obviously, don't put yourself in a situation where you're, the cops are looking for you. Yeah. But if they are, or you have something that you're going to get in trouble for, usually the trade-off is like, can I run and get away? Like, versus, like, what's going to happen to me if I get caught? Like, you should try to run. You should try to run away. You should try to run. You should and try that's... to run away. Listen, and I want to put a big... We, we don't offer legal advice on this right. podcast, okay? But Daryl's advice in general, just as a person who's like, Mexico. Go, go to Mexico. Now. Much uh-huh. like this movie. Yeah. You know? Like, get out of town. Don't show up, even if your even even if your girlfriend slash wife dies. Mm-hmm. Don't come back to town, because <laughs> you know uh, they're gonna get you. Because gonna get you. at least the stuff that I'm working with these days, it's like, man, if they get you for one thing and you have any sort of prior, they're just gonna You're just wa- they're gonna waterfall you with yeah. everything. Even stuff that they don't enforce on, like, uh, you know, I don't know, you're walking down the street, you've got an open container, nobody cares. But once you're in a situation where you're... Where they get you on one thing. Yeah, get you one thing, they'll just load everything up. They're going to get you on everything. Everything Ugh. they can. Um, do you want to do some shout-outs? Sure. Yeah? Cool. Yeah. I'll go first this week. Okay. I never go first. Um, my shout out is to the online and print question mark magazine mm-hmm. Vanity Fair. Oh, nice. Have you heard of this publication? I have. Yep. Uh, it's pretty famous. Um, very specifically, I read an article today by Evgenia, is her name? Peretz. Mm-hmm. Evgenia Peretz, about a, one of the writers for Grey's Anatomy named Elizabeth Finch, who, um, apparently faked a cancer diagnosis for like seven years and like basically lied to everybody and was leading this crazy double life and uh, made up all these stories about herself and like insane. And like was doing this in a writer's room for like television shows. Wow. Uh, And there's only, there's article is like a two-parter. Mm-hmm. Part one is only part one is out now. It's called Scene Stealer: The True Lies of Elizabeth Finch. Part one. I think everybody should go read this article. It's <laughs> fucking 
bonkers. And it's incredibly it's, well written. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, I loved every single word of it. It was amazing. I'm shouting out the article. That's it. I don't think we've ever shouted out an article, but I'm shouting this one out. Good. Is the angle um, that having this cancer diagnosis was helping her as a writer, is giving her additional sort of qualification? Or... If not her qualifications or her like writing ability, then certainly helping the the implication and sort of through through sort of anecdotes and sourced evidence that she, mm-hmm. it was helping her career in yeah. certain ways. Huh. Um, yeah, it's fucked. It's fucked. It's actually. It's, it, listen, I've mm-hmm. lied in my life, and there's been periods of my life where I lied a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let mm-hmm. me tell you, I was a fucking liar. (laughs) (laughs) But you got to be some kind of fucked in the head to be lying like this lady was lying. Like for for real, man. For real. Uh, It's an amazing story. Definitely go read it. I cannot wait for part two. Uh, Yeah. All right. Good. I will check that out. That sounds like some real life dramas. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would like to give a shout out this week to The Daily Show. Oh, with uh, Mr. Noah. With Mr. Trevor Noah. Mm-hmm. So Jess has been um sort of like on their website trying to get us tickets to an open to a live taping. And okay. We were able to go to one last week and it was very oh. nice. Uh the show itself, incredible. Great to be in a live space. Uh, I've seen live tapings before of, like, comedy shows. This was more fun. And it's nice to see, um, yeah, just the behind the scenes and the making of the finished product. Um, the Everything surrounding it, getting up to uh, Midtown, waiting in line for three hours in the cold, uh, sitting there in the studio for, like, another two hours um, with no bathroom breaks. Everything surrounding the actual, like, experience garbage but yeah. i would say worth it because trevor noah is an incredible entertainer and yeah it was really nice to sort of see that in real life um i'm with you yeah i like trevor noah a lot i think his show is fucking good and like he's funny yeah <laughs> like he's a funny guy um yeah i did his well i worked on his original set I think mm-hmm. they've refreshed at this point, uh, and I did not work on the refresh. But mm-hmm. um, nice guy. Yeah. Has a good crew all around him. The show is like total professionals, and, uh, and, and it pays off because the show is funny and good and well-produced. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about it. I mean, all those shows. I went to um, a taping of Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon at one point. For reasons mm. I'll not go into, mm. um, but uh, uh, you know it's like the same shit. Like you get downstairs at Thirty Rock, you get into a holding bay with the other people. Mm-hmm. They're like, if you want to go to the, if you need to go to the bathroom, even a little bit, <laughs> go right now because you will not have the opportunity to do for the next four and a half hours. Like, uh-huh. um, so yeah, and then. 
uh, you go upstairs and you're in a second holding bay and then you're loaded in in like groups and staged and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, then if they're doing a bit in the audience, there have to be like rearranging and there's more standing and more waiting and more, you know, Mm -hmm. like get a snack beforehand, pee a lot beforehand. (laughs) Yeah. Drink as little water as possible for like a day beforehand <laughs> and then like go. Enter at maximum dehydration is maximum de- is the strategy. Maximum dehydration <laughs> is the key. Is the key to surviving those. But if you do that, you'll have a good time. Yeah. You'll have a good time. Um I remember a friend of mine in college, Nate Dolkemper, went to a taping of something. Trying to remember, Maury, maybe? Like, one of those, like, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. daytime studio yeah. shows. <laughs> and they went, like, a little intoxicated, him and his friend, and had uh, to, like, go to the bathroom oh during the my middle goodness. of the taping. And basically, like, stood up. They had to stop the taping, and they were like, I'm basically, Nathan was like, I'm going to pee in the seat <laughs> if I don't go to the bathroom right now. They're like, well, you're gone, A, gone, and B, uh-huh. are never invited to another like CBS taping ever again. Damn. Crazy. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, pee first. It's the golden rule of theater. Pee right. First. Right. Pee yeah. first. Yeah. This is nice. Uh, cool. Trevor was a professional. He, yeah. I mean, even his ability to just engage with the crowd between little things, just. Yeah. He's good at that. So sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, we were there with, um, Daniel Ricardo as guest. Who's that? F1 driver. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. So we've been watching a little bit of that um, Drive to Survive. Sort of oh. With him. And uh, yeah, he was good. Not not a great interview, but just like a fun guy to like be around. Awesome, man. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah highly recommend any of that stuff to uh, the folks out there. Yeah. And I would also recommend if you want to talk to us about your experience going to a live taping of a studio show. You can do that at Nolt Podcast. This is our Twitter, N-O-L-T-T Podcast, where our, no one likes to tune a podcast on Instagram. No one likes to tune a podcast on, at gmail.com. Uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That would be really helpful if you wanted to do that this week. If you want to listen to our thoughts about Louis Leterrier, you can go mm-hmm. to patreon.com slash no one likes to tune a podcast and throw us a buck. We've got some episodes up there. We definitely talk about him and his weird French shit. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it, I think. Cover the bases. Next week, we'll be back for Fast, fast Five. Mm-hmm. Wow, we're already at Fast Five in this cycle. And, um, yeah, that's it. Anything else, my man? I think that's all for me. Always a pleasure. I'll talk to you next week.